Welcome to Good Returns TV. I'm Philip McAllister. Joining me in the studio today is Simplicity co-founder Sam Stumps. Good Welcome, to Sam. Uh, nice to see you in here. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah. Now, tell me, KiwiSaver. Yeah. How How do you think it's going at the moment? Look, I think it's going okay. I mean, it's had a fantastic start, right? 14 years ago, uh, we've now got, what, 3 million people enrolled, uh, lots of people contributing, about $100 billion worth of savings. It's a whole lot of good stuff that's happened. Um, I think if Michael Cullen were alive today, he'd be pretty happy with how it's done, at least exceeded expectations. Um, but, you know, like anything that's 14 years old probably needs a bit of a refurb, right? Uh, it's getting on there a bit. So you'd have to say, you know, what would you do to improve it? And look, this is all very personal, right? I'd be interested in your thoughts too. But I now think that we've got to the point where it needs to be compulsory because otherwise a whole lot of people are just going to miss out. Um, and if that is the case, then, you know, I think it's a, a fair social contract that if you're earning money, you should be saving a little for your retirement. But if you're not earning money, you shouldn't be. So make it compulsory. You know, you've got that like almost $900 million of tax credits, basically a middle class subsidy, really. So they should go? They should go. And I think you should make every kid in the country, you should take that $900 million and spread it across every under 18 year old in the country so that when the kid signs up, they get, I think we did the numbers, it was a while ago, I think they get something like seven to $800 a year in their account. And that means that it would be fiscally neutral right now, and every child would end up with about $25,000 in their KiwiSaver account by the time they're 18 or 19. And that, that starts to get rid of some of the um, income and wealth inequity that's really starting to plague New Zealand as well. So basically, take the member tax credit away, give yep. it to under 18-year-olds, yep. and, and then if you did that and they had, what, 25 grand at yep. 18, so yep. by the time you get to, they get to 65, yep. you're talking about a considerable sum, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So it's taking it from the parents and giving it to the kids, and every kid benefits. There's no means testing or anything like yeah. that. So how hard would it be to do? Uh, very simple. I mean, yeah. you already have the mechanism there. You just have to make it a law that you've got to have a KiwiSaver account. Say when you registered for your birth, you have to register for a KiwiSaver account as well. That means you get an IRD number as well, which is kind of useful, right? There's a whole lot of poverty that gets driven by people who don't have IRD numbers. So kind of it kills three birds with one stone as far as I'm concerned. And then that, that money goes in there. And look, you know, if you think in South Auckland, right, if you've got an island family who've got three, four kids, they want to collectively own a house together, you know, four times 25,000 is 100,000 bucks. You're starting to get a house deposit together. Once you get on the housing ladder, as you know, that's, that's, that helps a lot. So I think we're getting to the point now where um, KiwiSaver could start discriminating against the poor if you don't have it. Because, you know, in 30 or 40 years' time, when this thing are hundreds of billions of dollars, the government of the day will start formulating superannuation policy based on the assumption that a whole lot of voters and people have got wealth, that they've accumulated wealth, right? So you risk missing out if you don't have KiwiSaver now on so in that sense, it risks discriminating against the poor. So time for a refurb. Let's make it compulsory. And by the way, one other thing, mate, everyone talks about um, contributions. To just increase them by half a percent a year. And just do what you're doing. Just slowly. So, so what level should they get to? Well, we all know they've got to get to like 10, 12 percent, mm. right? The Aussies are going to 12. You know, we are way behind the eight ball here now, right? You know, so Australia has, what, uh, six times our population and yet they have three trillion, we have 100 billion. So they've got 30 times the savings with six times the population. So the, you know, we have got to catch up here. And, and I think it's just time for the politicians really to just you know, put their big boy trousers on, quite frankly, and admit 
to the to the, to the voting population that we need to save more for our retirement. But if you do this slowly, you can build it into wage negotiations. People get used to it. And that's after all, it is It is just, it, this is people's individual wealth you're increasing. Right? And are there any other changes you'd like to see? No, I think the really big, look, you, the, the, there's a long laundry list, right? There's issues of gender inequality in it. Um, there's issue of contribution holidays and so on. All of those issues are, are important to some people, but I think we can't take our eyes off the big picture here, which is that actually you've got to stop it from getting to the point where it discriminates. Start using it as a wealth empowerment tool, benefiting, you know, taking advantage of compounding interest, all that stuff that we know, right? So you, 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 you've you got to keep your eye on the prize. The policies of both parties disappoint me because they're tinkering around the edges here, you know, whether it's rental bonds or, you know. But that's stupid, isn't that? Well, you know, and look, this is the thing about KiwiSaver. The politicians don't get it. They don't get that this is a huge pool of savings that will actually fund a whole lot of cool stuff in New Zealand, right? And um, they're not engaging with KiwiSaver managers and they're not engaging with the scheme as being a ticket to future prosperity. It's almost seen like it's taking money out of your pocket now and we'll try and minimise that or if we can tap into it to solve what is a, a particular interest group's issue. And I get that. I get that's politics. But boy, man, that's the, the loss of the opportunity is huge here. Isn't it telling that when the MPs have to list their pecuniary interests yeah. and they, they list their KiwiSaver that some of them put in names of KiwiSaver providers who are no longer there? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, eh? Doesn't that it's throw amazing, them yeah. a lack of... Yeah, and look, and here's how the politicians don't get it. If I told you, Phil, if I said, you know what, next month a, a plane is arriving with 12 billionaires and they each want to spend $10 billion in New Zealand, right? The $120 billion plane. Do you think the Prime Minister would be out there with a red carpet? Damn right they did. I mean, look at this deal they did with BlackRock for a measly $2 billion of fictional money, actually. There's no actual investment there yet. So they would be there and they'd be, you know, sucking up to them and showing them all around. Well, actually, those 12 people already exist. The, the top 12 KiwiSaver managers will invest something like $10 billion on average in New Zealand each over the next 20 or 30 years. Do you think any politician could name two of them? I doubt it, right? And so we spend all of our time obsessing about the foreigner, who's Johnny Foreigner, who supposedly provides all this money, right? But actually the money's developing in New Zealand. The Aussies got this ages ago. That's why their pension funds own the road. Yeah, and that's why when you go to Brisbane, it, it's bigger and shinier and newer. And an awful lot of that is because the pension money's got recycled in the economy. So does enough of the KiwiSaver money get invested in New Zealand? No, because of the lack of opportunity, right? We've got a tiny stock market and a stock exchange, which in my opinion is more interested in making profits than it is growing the capital markets, you know, for its shareholders, which is understandable but unfortunate, Rio, uh, rather than actually growing the capital markets in New Zealand. A tiny share market. We've got a bond market, which is, it's okay, but, you know, it's a small country with a bond market. And you haven't got the, the things like large-scale investment and build to rent, which is something we're kicking off, but that doesn't exist where it does elsewhere. All the infrastructure plays as well because successor governments haven't really welcomed KiwiSaver investment into infrastructure in New Zealand. So, yeah, but one of the reasons why, if you take an average KiwiSaver dollar coming in or any fund manager now, about on average 60 to 70 cents of that's going offshore and it goes up all the time, it's just not anything to invest in here. The government's not providing the opportunities, the stock market's not providing the opportunities, and the KiwiSaver managers, quite frankly, aren't doing it themselves. But there's more and more talk that, you know, there should be more investments into private assets. Yep. Surely that's something that 
you know, they could do in New Zealand? Well, they could, but you have to think about the motivations of your average KiwiSaver manager, right? The fees are huge. The incentive to invest uh, long term to the benefit of members is sort of there, sort of not there. And there's the very low risk appetite. I mean, and remember, there's massive conflict of interest too. I mean, you've got the KiwiSaver is dominated by the banks. Well, the banks want to lend to develop a project rather than they want to take risk with their KiwiSaver uh, scheme in doing that. So, and they don't get paid any more fees for taking on any more risk, right? Yeah. So, because it's quite interesting that the, the KiwiSaver providers who are doing private equity or private market type yeah. investments are, are people like yourselves mm-hmm. and Generate and yeah. yeah. So it's not the banks, is it? No, no. And most of there's 26 KiwiSaver schemes. Are there, what, three or four of us are in private equity? Yeah. So I would call that, you know, pretty lazy actually by the industry. They're not prepared to embrace the risk or find a way of doing it that makes sense. So can we talk about private equity? So yeah. Simplicity set up as a, a, a low-fee um, index-based um, offering, yeah. and now you've put in private equity, which yeah. is uh, probably the total opposite. <laughs> yeah. How does that fit together? And, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, a, it's a question that yeah, no, no, it's, people it's a, often ask. Yeah, me. It's a very valid question. So 90% of our assets stay in low-cost index funds, mm-hmm. right? We've got about a 10% asset allocation across built-to-rent properties against mortgages, first-home mortgages, and private equity. So why do we go into those three things? Well, we sort of discovered over the last seven years that actually the money that our members are giving us is very long duration and very sticky, right? So we can put it into these assets. And actually, I think there's almost a fiduciary responsibility in terms of maximizing their returns to put it into the asset classes where that money has a competitive advantage, right? So let me give you an example. Why would we put money in a bank who then just lends onto the mortgage borrower and makes a profit themselves rather than lending to our members themselves, right? So, hey presto, we have a little mortgage business now, which is actually growing uh, significantly now, which is where uh, we get higher than bank term deposits and our our members borrow for less than they would at the bank, right? So win-win, you just take that bank profit, split it 50-50. So that's one example. The other one will be bill to rent. We can actually make a lot of money by developing these properties, renting them and managing them over a 50 to 100 year period. But you need large amounts of very long-term money to do that, but the members get rewarded. Private equity is another classic example. A typical private equity fund raises money on a very large fee and says, listen, we want to be in and out of this transaction within seven years, right? Get on the board, leverage up the company, change it, whatever, and then do an exit in seven years. Our private equity strategy is very different. What we say is we go to the family-owned businesses, existing profitable businesses, and say, look, here's the deal. We're a KiwiSaver fund. We're a charity and owned by a nonprofit. We're going to be around here forever. Because we're a nonprofit, we'll never make a dollar. That means we're never worth a dollar, which means we'll never be bought or sold, right? We're like Southern Cross of finance. So here's what we'd like to do. We think that you run a business which is very successful and very profitable, but very quite under the radar. You don't want to be publicly listed, and you don't want a typical private equity firm to come in there and slice and dice you and generate a lot of short-term revenue and then leave. Here's what we want to do. We want to own 10 to 20% of your company, no more, and that's it. We just want to own it forever. We want to own the same shares as you do. We'll exit when you do, or maybe we'll just carry on in business for 50 years. We don't want to sit on your board. We don't want to tell you what to do because we have no value to add there. But what we do have is a lot of long-term patient equity capital supplied by our you know, 143,000 members now. And uh, we are perfectly happy owning this forever. We have no exit strategy. And if we end up having 100 of those companies over the next 30 years, I mean, we've made our first four investments in the first 18 months, but if it takes us 30 years to get 100 investments, 
we will actually have an investment in the most profitable sector of the economy, which is family-owned businesses. And from your, from the members' families' members' point of view, we're a New Zealand-owned Kiwi Saver non-profit owned by a charity. You're basically benefiting 143,000 members, whomever invested in the funds that we're invested in your company with. You know, so it's kind of like being listed without being listed, without all of the drama. And and it's a very different proposition. No one else can do that because no one else can say hand on heart, we're going to be around here for 100 years. But we are, and we have just a very long-term view. So our members will, I think, end up making a lot of money from this. In fact, the initial returns on that fund are very strong. Um, But you have to be very patient, and it has to be just a small part of your portfolio, and you really have to do what you say, you know. So what are the initial returns at the moment? Well, look, it's it's very early days, but um, the first handful of investments have returned about twenty percent so far a year. But but look, this very early, Phil. Yeah. But listen, if you believe in capitalism, the lack of liquidity, the small nature of the firms, and so means you should get rewarded for taking that risk, right? So does it make you an active investor? That part of it, yeah, sort of. The the individual investments are active, but of course, if you own a hundred of those across industries, that becomes a very passive. Passive exposure. Likewise with mortgages. Mortgages all around the country, that's a very passive. Even though you've actively led to every person, the overall portfolio becomes very passive. Likewise with our bill to rent. If we do own 10,000 homes, which we're uh, aiming to do, right across the country, it's very passive income. So, you know, this active-passive thing to me is a bit of a spurious um, definition. But so, but, you know, under under the traditional way of doing it, yes, we're a little little bit active, yeah. mostly passive. And, and just finally, did you ever think that you'd end up running a non-profit car or KiwiSaver no. organisation? No, I didn't. I was, a, I was a rapacious Goldman Sachs banker, right? For, for, uh, so no, I mean, it's just been a personal journey. I have to say this has been the best job I've ever had. Anyway, we'll leave it there, Sam. Yeah, Thank cool. you very much for your time and, and great Thanks, to see mate. you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.